song can only mean one thing. Dale Ryder joining us on the show because he is the sunshine on our station. He joins what? us. <laughs> you don't think you shine a bright light on 92 through the fan, Daryl, with your presence? What? That is the last song I would ever pick to introduce myself. <laughs> I didn't actually pick it. It was all Jax. I just tried to roll with it, you know? Goodness gracious. <laughs> I have much better musical taste than that. Daryl Ryder brought to us by Shivan Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Daryl, I, I thought it was it, it's, it was kind of, it hit me this week. Here comes the sun, my foot. <laughs> it hit me Don't this week. Don't make me talk about where the sun isn't shining, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> might be a little early for yeah, that. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, yeah, we're not in we're not in safe harbor hours just yet, Daryl. We might have to. We'll call you back at ten o'clock and get that. that oh, I know you won't because I'm not answering. As <laughs> soon as we're done with this conversation, phone's getting turned off for the night. It hit me, Daryl, that this is like the perfect combination for the always game day in Cleveland podcast with them being in Philly. It's 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 literally like what the idea was birthed out of was the the whole the the show always sunny in Philadelphia, and now we do the podcast. Always game day in Cleveland. So um thought you probably had some good uh some good conversations there, just in general playing on that sort of uh fun little thing. Well, I yeah, I I don't know. I mean they, they gave our podcast name to like eight other podcasts, so the whole <laughs> it, you know, it's always sunny in Philadelphia bit just got, you know, smashed of smithereens. You know, I have thought, talked to Andy we, about that. We we thought we had something cool and unique just for us, and no, we're just gonna hand it out to all the other podcasts too, you know. I remember Ken and I talked to Andy about Great that. Marketing. Great marketing. Great marketing. Let I me know, tell you. I know the two guys who do the version of in buffalo and i was like is this just like uh are we just like sharing this with everybody and he was like yeah you know they asked they were looking for an idea and we gave it to him and i was like so now everybody just jumped on board but you're right it felt like it was ours and now apparently it's everybody so there you go what is mine is not supposed to be everybody else's it's supposed to be mine <laughs> i'm selfish that way He's Darren Ryder, Browns beat reporter, joining us here tonight on the show. Brought to you again by Shivan Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. By the way, is it wrong that I'm cleaning out transcripts from Pat Shermer out of my email today? Oh, man. You got emails that far back, huh? <laughs> yeah. I had, so what happened was, is my. Did you run out of memory? I, I did. And so what happened is, um, I have over 13,000 emails. Wow. Yeah. I, so I ran out of space. And so I frantically today was kind of going through and trying to free up some room. So I uh, got to relive such wonderful moments as Pat Shermer. Uh, I was going to say, like, what's the best? What's the best quote you've rehashed so far? No, because uh, I'm just I'm just hitting delete <laughs> on uh, Brandon Whedon getting stuck under a flag. Uh, Mike Holmgren and his umbrella drink. Um, <laughs> These are some yeah. great memories. Throwbacks. Oh, good good times to be had by nobody. <laughs> oh my God, that's great. That that's that's got to be a walk down memory lane. Just going back and rehashing. No, all I I need counseling. I've been traumatized having to relive all this now. Well, I don't know if we can provide that for you tonight, Daryl. <laughs> but you might be able to provide some for me because I feel like for the most part, the reports out of camp have been rave reviews for Deshaun Watson, but. We had Zach Jackson on today on the morning show, and he sort of seemed to doubt, throw some water on, on the fire a little bit here in regards to Deshaun and mentioned that he just isn't seeing the consistency from Deshaun in the pocket and that the offense isn't really taking a lot of downfield shots, and they're lacking consistency overall and putting together some longer drives. So, Darrell, you've been out there for almost everything at this point with, revolving around training camp and seeing it with your own eyes. So where's the truth about this offense in your opinion? I think it's somewhere in the middle. I mean, look, they, they certainly haven't been productive in the red zone. 
on a consistent basis in 11-on-11. 7-on-7, it's back and forth. But 11-on-11, they seem to have uh, struck. I can't speak to you know what happened this week in Philadelphia, but just what I've seen. Uh, not, not all the not all that great uh, during team drills uh, in the red zone, and that's quite frankly that's the most important part of the field because that's where the the points are you know scored scored. So uh, if they're not doing that, uh, that you know that is uh, certainly uh, you know problematic. But um, yeah, I, I just I, I I kind of agree with Zach in the sense that yeah, it hasn't been consistent, but. Look, I mean, it's training camp. Things are not going to be consistent at, at this point. And, you know, there is a shot that things are being worked on and, you know, whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see more consistency, but I'm not going to get uh, all bent out of shape over uh, training camp practices right now. Um, you know, if we get into uh, the first quarter of the season there and they're not real uh, productive, well, then... I guess we're going to have our answer as far as, uh, you know, where things stand. Well, speaking of getting into the first quarter of the season and Deshaun, is there, do you have concerns still that there might be more rust to shake off? Because I think the point of this offseason and all the programs and training camp and the joint prices, the point was supposed to be to get as much of that off as possible. But based on what Zach Jackson's talking about today, it makes me kind of wonder if we're going to get to the regular season and there is still going to be some of that for him to kind of just shake off and get back to the guy he was before. Well, you hope not, but I, we don't know. It's an unknown quantity. Yeah. It just it is what it is. I, I'd love to be tell, able to sit here and tell everyone Deshaun Watson's just going to set the world afire. He's going to throw for 4,000 yards. The Browns are going to win like 15 games and, you know, whatever. I, I don't know. Like, um, there are times in practice where he looks just absolutely brilliant, and there are times in practice where the, the defense looks like they're pretty competent on that side of the ball. And I think that's the other part of this to understand, too, is that uh, this defense for the Browns is pretty good. So yeah. uh, I don't know that I want to get all uh, up in arms over um, you, you know them not being as productive uh, offensively because well they're going against some pretty good players on that side of the ball. And is, is, uh, uh, Kevin Stefanski likes to say, you know, uh, any win offensively or defensively is a win for the Cleveland Browns at, at this point in, in where they're at. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I am curious what uh, rust, if any, will Deshaun have uh, here uh, going into this season? Uh, certainly can't afford to have any. They need him to come out firing on all cylinders. But, yeah, I just I, I don't know. Um, I, I know what I hope to see. Yeah. But unfortunately, I can't wish that into existence for Browns fans. So based on this entire conversation, would you say you feel more confident in the offense or the defense at this point as we get ready an inch closer to the regular season? Which is funny to ask when you think about it because just how abysmal the defense was last year, the fact that they've been revamped. But I, yeah. I think it's a valid question because there's been rave reviews about that side of the ball, and it's right, been defense, pretty consistent. Yeah, defense looks good. I mean, I, look, I really, really, really like... Uh, what they've done up front, um, I, I think that that has the opportunity to be one of the more dynamic mm. and explosive playmaking fronts in the game. Uh, now, granted, they, they got to go out and do it, uh, and I under, I certainly understand and respect that. But I like what I see on, on that side of the ball. I, I said from the get go when they hired him that um, 
Jim Schwartz would be the most important acquisition of the offseason for the Browns. Uh, I still feel that way. Um, and it certainly helps that they basically, for all intents and purposes, rebuilt that defensive line. The fact that you brought in Shelby Harris when you did, now you can, uh, you know, you can uh, kick Jordan back out into a reserve role instead of having him uh, be a starter. Uh, because, look, I, I mean, you know, last year when they went with the two young kids uh, in the middle of that defensive line, it, you know, it, it was a hot knife through butter, teams running against them. So um, it was nice that Andrew Barry understood the the uh, the flaw there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And he addressed it this offseason. But, yeah, I just I, – I, I still have a good feeling about this offense. But, I mean, if you're making me pick, which is what you are, i, I got to <laughs> go defense because, while well, I've seen more from that side of the ball on a consistent basis. Talk with our Browns beat reporter, Dale Ryder, brought to you again by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. We have a unique situation this year with roster cutdown day because they obviously got rid of the going from you know 90 to 75 and then 75 to 53. It's just all at once. So what do you envision that day looks like for the Browns in terms of, I'm assuming they're probably going to do what a lot of the teams are going to do and find guys that they're looking for to, to add depth or whatever. Like, What are some of the position groups you think they could be looking to, to add um, at when that day comes? They're just going to be trying to sneak their guys through the waiver wire to get them on the practice squad. That's what they're going to be doing. That is fair. <laughs> I, you know, I, that's, that's, why all, that's why all these teams wanted to go to this, right? Because you're talking about over 1,000 names are going to hit that waiver wire on the 29th at 4 p.m., that's a lot of names for 31 other teams to have to come through, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, as far as supplementing what they have, I mean, I don't know, maybe another defensive tackle, maybe another linebacker. Um, I think they're pretty well set in the secondary. I think they're pretty well set at receiver. I think they're pretty well set offensive line. I, I, I think for all intents and purposes, barring changes in you know stuff, um, I, I, I kind of feel like they're in relatively, uh, you know, pretty good roster shape, and and whatever searching that Andrew Barry is going to be doing at the waiver deadline is going to basically be uh, a byproduct of reacting to, um, you know, whatever might transpire between now and the twenty ninth. Darrell, we know where the fan base is at in regards to Kate York, but I continue to wonder what it's going to take for the organization to get to maybe a similar place. Because, look, they can put on Twitter all they want that he was 6-for-6 six six at practice yesterday and all that, but he's perfect in practice. I yeah. don't want to hear it. Yeah. He hasn't but, missed a kick in practice. But he's not hitting him in the games. And like, what, what happens if he goes out and misses two more tomorrow? Like, Do we finally get a sense of this organization reconsidering, or is it just going to be more of the same? Like, What, what is it going to take for them to finally think, okay, maybe we have to look at other options. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I really one of the world's uh, greatest uh, mysteries. We just uh, don't. Well, do here's the thing: they're not going to. Um, they're not going to uh, do anything now. This yeah. is Cade York's show for the remainder of their camp and and preseason. Right. The proof in the pudding is going to come on the 29th. And actually, no, I'm sorry, the 30th, okay, when they see what kickers are available mm. and if there's an opportunity to upgrade. 
So I don't know. I, I continuing to miss kicks. I think is the best answer, and I know that's you know not exactly revelatory there, but that, that's what it is. If he keeps missing kicks, then yeah, they're, they're going to have no choice but to uh, you know make a change. So um, I I believe that they should investigate uh, another kicker, um, but you know yeah we'll we'll see if they ultimately do it. But yeah, I just kind of feel like. They uh, it would it would behoove them to uh, bring in some kicking competition because uh, my my thing now is if you can have two punters on the roster why can't you have two kickers what what what's the big deal about having a second kicker but the flip side of the argument is again want this want this kid to get all the reps want him to get as many kicks as possible in practice as well as all the kicks in the preseason games so that you get a full body of work to really evaluate. So I understand where the organization's coming from right now, and I know that's not an answer that fans like, but that that's just the, the reality of where they're at. He's Darrell Ryder, our Browns beat reporter. You can follow him on Twitter at I always I always write a wrong right fan. A wrong fan. That's you. right. Thank you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I should have wrote it down tonight and I didn't. Anyway, Daryl Ryder, appreciate him. He joins us for courtesy of Shivan Jewelers. Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Daryl, let me know. Uh, give us a call back when you get to the Hugh Jackson transcripts, all right? Yeah, I, uh, I, I've made it up to the Browns' <laughs> ownership change. Um, uh, and uh, lots of Joe Banner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Lots Joe of Banner. Joe Banner transcripts. Oh, man. <laughs> Well, I, I can't wait to hear more about the uh, the journey you're on. And your, I think I'm like emails, three. So. I think I'm three PR staffs <laughs> in the past <laughs> right now too. Oh man, and about seven head coaches. <laughs> Good stuff, Daryl. Always appreciate you, man. Have a good rest of your night. You bet, bud. He's Daryl Ryder, Browns beat reporter. Again, you can check out all his work at 92CTheFan.com. He'll of course be covering the game tomorrow night, preseason game number three for the Browns, as we inch closer and closer to the regular season. Let's take a break. We'll pause. When we get back, the slobber fest over the Pittsburgh Steelers continues. Wait till you hear what was said today by one talking head on ESPN. We'll do it next on The Fan. We switched formats and became 92 to The Fan in August of 2011. And now we want to help celebrate our 12th anniversary with us. Next Friday morning at 11, all the primetime talk show hosts will be on one stage. You could listen to it live on the Odyssey app or go to 92thefan.com and enter for your chance to see the broadcast live and in person. Just had Daryl Ryder on, talk to him about all things Browns. And again, our training camp reports are brought to you. Sorry. Needed to have the script in front of me first. Our training camp reports are brought to you by Classic Ford and Classic Chevy in Menor would help to have the script. One of the top rules in radio. Always have the script in front of you. Trying to knock some of these out. Anyway, 216-474-992. Daryl made me feel a little bit better. Um, when he said it's probably somewhere in the middle of the doomsday, doom and gloom, that it sounded like Zach Jackson sort of presented today. And the rave reviews of, oh, the offense looks great, and Deshaun Watson's really slinging it out there. That is probably somewhere in the middle. I can accept that. The one thing I forgot to ask him about, which we will get to in the 9 o'clock hour, and also, guys, coming up, there is a black and gold Kool-Aid out there 
that everybody seems to want to sip off. We'll get to that here in a second. But I wanted to ask him about Deshaun Watson responding to the tweet today from um, who was on yesterday? Uh, Elliot Shore Parks, who was on, I think he was on Afternoon Drive yesterday and basically wrote down the charted results of Deshaun Watson's stats yesterday on the second day of the joint practices, and he quote tweeted it and said, LOL cap. We'll get to that after the fan focus, but I wanted to pick Daryl's brain a little bit on whether or not he was okay with that. Listen, it's training camp for everybody and everything right now. I'm not going to make a big deal out of it in August, but we know sometimes these athletes are out there searching their names and getting ready to respond to people. I mean, Kevin Durant has made a career out of responding to people that uh, say things about him on social media. So I just wonder if fans are worried that this sets the stage for Deshaun to be ultra aware and alert of what people are saying about him and if he's going to go out and respond to every single thing because I'm sure he gets a hell of a lot more mean tweets than I get and I get some a decent amount of mean tweets myself. I just wonder if that worries fans at all because, I mean, it's easy to sit there and say, like, you got to block it out and you just don't got to pay attention to it and I don't want my quarterback looking at that stuff and fine, but I think it's also human nature for many of us to look into that stuff, look it up, want to read it, want to respond to it and defend ourselves. I mean, I'm guilty of that myself. So I can understand where it's coming from for, for Desha- from Deshaun's angle, someone who is in the spotlight all the time. Any of these athletes who are constantly under a microscope, like, of course, you feel the need to defend yourself sometimes. I don't know if it's worth defending yourself over training camp Stats, and I guess he didn't go into some long-winded response over it, so that's good. But I just don't want this to turn into a thing where he's doing this all the time. Now, I don't know. I I didn't track his, I guess. There's always people out there tracking others' social media history. So maybe somebody out there knows if he was like this in Houston and if he was constantly reading into every little tweet that he got about his game and if he was good or bad in any specific game or whatever. And just going on a crusade of responding to people like Kevin in the ilk of Kevin Durant, but I never really thought that Deshaun Watson was did that much. At least it didn't come up on my feed very often for me to know. So I don't think that's something that's going to be a, a a consistent thing with him. But I'm sure fans see that and they see it being some over something so minuscule as training camp reporting. Training camp stat keeping, which is really one of the most useless things out there. And I wonder if it makes you worried at all. That when the lights are brighter and it's a bigger stage, it'll be a bigger deal and maybe will respond more harshly and what how that comes back. And again, he can do what he wants. Baker Mayfield was kind of that way. He would respond to people. And we loved it. So ultimately, maybe Cleveland loves that. But it's also different with Baker who... Yeah, he came in brash and had this personality about him, but he also didn't have the bad PR that Deshaun Watson brought with all the accusations against him. Whereas 
I think you kind of want Deshaun to just lay low for the most part. Which is why he kind of got into some hot water a couple weeks ago at the Greenbrier when he made the comments about people don't know the full story and all that. It was like, dude, people don't really want to hear your story. Like, they don't want to hear your side of the story, to be honest. They, they just, you are means to an end for a lot of fans. They want to see you go out there win football games. And for others, I think they don't really care about your side of the story. Maybe there'll be a day where they where they do where you can share it, but right now it's not really the time or place to bring it up and, and talk about that and, and almost come off as the victim. So I understand why people I understand where people are coming from. I th- they think it got a little bit blown out of proportion, but my point is that's the type of thing that he's going to constantly have to deal with, and that Browns fans are going to constantly have to deal with. It's like every step of the way, one misstep in a quote, one quote tweet response that he drops on you and all of a sudden he's back in the he's thrusted back into the into the conversation and people are saying look at this guy he's those he's so thin-skinned and criticizing him and calling him out like he's gonna hear it so he's kind of just got to get used to the fact that his mentions are probably going to be and this wasn't even a mention but you know if he's searching his name you're better off just letting it be man you're better off just letting it be And I think on some level, even, listen, sometimes we can all take this stuff personal. Heck, I've, I've been on, I, as a host here, I've gotten tweets that I wasn't a big fan of and didn't sit well with me and it makes you feel some type of way. And you just kind of get through it and get over it, whatever. But at the same time, I've had to sort of get better at just, listen, I may not be everybody's cup of tea and that's fine. Some people go a little harsh with uh, the with the things they have to say on social media, and you just got to kind of learn that that whole world that exists, as fun as it can be, and as much and I as much as I enjoy being on it, it's not the end all be all. And for Deshaun, I can only imagine it's even a bigger cesspool than anything I've ever experienced. So there you go. Just got to block it out, man. Two one six four seven four double ninety two. It's always just don't search your name. Searching your name, I feel like, is one of the worst things you can do on social media, on Google, whatever. It's never going to give you back the results that you're looking for. Or maybe it will, and you get a, you get a kick out of seeing people's criticisms of you. But just just don't search your name. 216-474-1092. Um, guys, I'll preface this by saying I respect the Steelers organization. They have always been able to do things the right way. They have developed this reputation, specifically with the Roonies, of being uh, innovators and progressives in the game, especially when it comes to you know the hiring of, of black coaches and, and really pushing that and you know trying to do the right things and building a successful franchise that others would look at and say, I want to be like them. So this isn't meant to be a just trash the Steelers segment, even though I know that would go over very well here in Cleveland. But I think people are, because of the reputation they have, I think people have gotten a little bit drunk off of the Steelers dynasty and Steelers franchise vibes. It's been week after week of people just salivating 
all over, slobbering all over Kenny Pickett and how good he is. And, oh, he could be a franchise quarterback. And he could be in the MVP conversation in a year or two. And I'm sitting here like the guy wears gloves. He's got small hands. He had more interceptions than touchdowns last year. Yeah, sure, he got it done in crunch time. But guess what? If you're always playing from behind and you're always trying to dig your team out of a hole in the fourth quarter because you played so poorly in the other three quarters, eventually that ain't going to work. Maybe he does pan out, but I'm not going to sit here and crown him anything yet. But between that and what Ryan Clark had to say on ESPN today, I just feel like people are getting too high off the Steelers' fumes. And look, I get it. They are a well-respected organization within the National Football League. But I think it's gone a little bit too far. Here is what Ryan Clark had to say today. The latest take on a Pittsburgh Steeler. Not Kenny Pickett, by the way, but another player on the offensive side of the ball. Pairing him to a Georgia guy, George Pickens is much more talented than Justin Jefferson. Really? Justin Jefferson, wow. Justin Jefferson understands everything about playing the position, stems, leverage. He can catch the football yeah. in all kinds He's of a savant positions. He's a savant. But here's the other thing. The coach Tomlin told me something that I thought that I thought was great. He said they 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 didn't even work to tolerate him and they certainly didn't try to raise him mm. at Georgia. Mm-hmm. Which is mean oh, they, okay. they they didn't embrace the Steelers. Yeah, no, no. Like, Wait, what? They, they didn't embrace who yeah. George Pickens is. When you got five stars everywhere, right. it doesn't matter. When you're gonna run the ball for two hundred and fifty yards a game, uh. it doesn't matter. But now at Pittsburgh and talking to Ike Taylor about the way that the entire team loves his attitude, loves the way he approaches his job. That's what the Pittsburgh Steelers have done for him. And what happens if he becomes as good of a player as a Stephon Diggs, as an AJ? Can be. Can be. But, Shefty, that's my point then, is then all of a sudden, Kenny Pickett gets put into a conversation that we're having going, oh, wow, now they're one of the best ones. And all these one-two duos that we have, they're all really good teams. Audio courtesy of ESPN. I mean, guys, what is happening here? It can't be anything other than the jersey color combination and knowing what that franchise has stood for and represented. That has to be it, right? Because there's no other explanation for all this nonsense that's coming out of the Steelers. And this isn't to say that they're going to have a bad season necessarily either. Every time I think that they're ready to take a step back, that the Browns are going to jump them. They always somehow end up finishing above the Steelers. Or above the Browns, I should say. And I actually really love George Pickens. I had him in fantasy last year in the league. I love his game. He's one of the more exciting players to watch, especially as a, a younger player to watch. But are we serious with saying that he's more talented than Justin Jefferson? 216 474 92 Your thoughts on just the slobber fest over the Pittsburgh Steelers that seems to be happening this offseason. And if not, if these people will prove to, if these pundits will end up being proven right by season's end, we'll get to that coming up. We'll react to it on the other side of the break. Also, coming up at nine, we have the fan focus, a overtime with Jonathan Peterlin Staple. That and much, much more still to come here on Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. Welcome back in. We are breaking down the preposterous take from Ryan Clark. 
It's funny. All the things I'm talking about and all the people I talk about, I have great respect for. I have a lot of respect for Ryan Clark. I think he... That guy was... It's it's crazy. He when he when Whenever he talks about his career, he always references how he doesn't recognize that guy because of just how violent he was. And he's like, yeah, that's not me, man. It, it's crazy. Um, but I have a lot of respect for Ryan Clark. I think he does a great job breaking down the game in, in his post-playing life. Uh, I know he was on Afternoon Drive last week. It was a great interview. He did a great job, and, and I enjoy hearing from him, and I enjoy his perspective on things. But this take just felt absolutely preposterous. We're going to play it for you one more time. This was Ryan Clark on ESPN Today talking about George Pickens. Comparing him to a Georgia guy, George Pickens is much more talented than Justin Jefferson. Really? Justin Jefferson, wow. Justin Jefferson understands everything about playing the position, stems, leverage. He can catch the football yeah. in all kinds of savant positions. He's a savant. But here's the other thing. The coach Tomlin told me something that I thought that I thought was great. He said they 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 didn't even work to tolerate him and they certainly didn't try to raise him mm. at Georgia. Mm-hmm. Which is mean oh, they, okay. they they didn't embrace they didn't embrace who yeah. George Pickens is. When you got five stars everywhere, right. it doesn't matter. When you're gonna run the ball for two hundred and fifty yards a game, right. it doesn't matter. But now at Pittsburgh and talking to Ike Taylor about the way that the entire team loves his attitude, loves the way he approaches his job. That's what the Pittsburgh Steelers have done for him. And what happens if he becomes as good of a player as a Stephon Diggs, as an A.J. Henry? He can be. But, Shefty, that's my point then, is then all of a sudden, Kenny Pickett gets put into a conversation that we're having going, oh, wow, now they're one of the best ones. And all these one-two duos that we have, they're all really good teams. Again, audio courtesy of ESPN. Even the part from Dan Orlovsky, like talking about the best one-two duos in the NFL, that loops back in Kenny Pickett and how amazing everybody thinks that he's going to be. Again, a lot of respect for the Steelers organization, even from a Cleveland lens here. A lot of respect for George Pickens. He's he's probably one of my favorite players to watch right now, and when I had him in fantasy last year, it gave me a reason to watch him. He is exciting to watch. That catch against the Browns last year was absolutely ridiculous. I can from again Cleveland lens here, I, Cleveland lens. But I can admit when somebody else has got game, that dude is good. But we're already saying he's better than Justin Jefferson, and this all comes from the same place where we're saying Kenny Pickett's a franchise quarterback, and they found their guy, and he's gonna he could be an MVP candidate in the next couple of years. Just can we if we're sitting here? Pumping the brakes on whether or not Deshaun Watson's going to light it up this year or not because camp has gone, been a little hot and cold at times. And Deshaun Watson actually has proven he can do it at the NFL level. Then what are we doing with all these Kenny Pickett takes? And again, it's something against George Pickens. I think he could be a great receiver in this league. He already probably is a great receiver, and he, he could only get better. He may be a top-five wide receiver in this league, by all accounts, in the next couple of years. Maybe even by the end of this year. Who knows? But to say he's better than, ju- more talented than Justin Jefferson is preposterous to me. 216-474-0092. I'm not going to sit here and say the Steelers are due to regress. Because every time I say it, same thought, same, this, there's, there's a, uh, there's parallels here. 
between me thinking that the Browns have finally arrived each of the last five years or whatever it was, however many years it's been now, I've lost track, it's been too many, that I've bought in, drank the Kool-Aid, it's blown up in my face. The parallel to that is I've also said that this is when the Steelers finally take a step back and the Browns jump them. And then most of those years, it didn't happen. Was there, what, one year that they finished ahead of the Steelers? I don't even know if that's I, – I can't remember off the top of my head if any of these last four years the Browns have finished ahead of the Steelers. 2020, the Steelers won the division, and the Browns were second. Because we remember that last that game, that last game of the regular season, the Steelers rested guys, and then they had to go play Pittsburgh on the road. So I'm not going to sit here and, and say the Steelers are done. I still think they have a really good team. Their, their defense is going to be superb. Their offense has lots of weapons including George Pickens. But we're sitting here crowning these guys already, and it, the only explanation is that it's the Steelers and they're wearing black and gold. If, it was, if we were talking about George Pickens on the Washington Commanders or the Jackson, uh, Jacksonville's maybe going to be a playoff team this year, so maybe that's a bad example, but it may be any other year that it was in Jacksonville maybe, or if we were talking about George Pickens on the Raiders this year. We would not be talking about him the same way that we're talking about him because he's on Pittsburgh. He would not be beginning he would not be getting compared to Justin Jefferson saying he's more talented than Justin Jefferson if he was on any other team, maybe not any other team, but 27 25 other teams in the NFL. He would not be getting this maybe even that's too high. Whatever the number is, 20 other teams in the NFL, we wouldn't be talking about George Pickens the way that we're talking about him being a Pittsburgh Steeler. We also wouldn't be talking about Kenny Pickett the way that we're talking about Kenny Pickett if he wasn't a Pittsburgh Steeler either. More touchdown, more interceptions than touchdowns. He, If he was on the Lions putting up those numbers, he'd be like, oh, yeah, it's a cute story, but the Lions ain't going anywhere. Heck, if he was on the Browns, we would be talking about him differently. We might be excited about Kenny Pickett. We'd be trying to talk ourselves into it like we did for however many years that the Browns were in quarterback purgatory. But everybody on the outside would be saying, that dude's trash. It's all about the jersey. But I'm just not, listen, I get it. And, I, and, and as I said, I have a lot of respect for that organization. But I'm not just going to bow to the mighty Steelers and assume that everything... Now, when it comes to receivers, yeah, they get those right. But I'm not going to sit here and assume that every decision that they've made is just the... is gospel. I'm not going to just assume that, based on what I've seen one year of Kenny Pickett, which had some flaws in his game, that they nailed it, knocked it out of the park. We did the same thing with the Patriots for all those years. We thought that when they moved on from a guy and drafted a guy, we forget about all the draft picks they missed on because all we see is the rings. But there was plenty of times where they didn't hit on guys and we didn't notice because they were still winning. But we thought every single decision they made in the draft and every single decision they made in free agency was the end-all, be-all because it was the mighty Patriots. And we do the same thing. It, it, with the Steelers, the Patriots, there's some other organizations out there, the Cowboys, uh some of these teams that have just kind of established, and the Cowboys haven't really established anything. There's just from the reputation and the, the I guess, national narrative about them and the national perspective on them being America's team and all that, that they get that that honor. 
But there's certain organizations that we just tout as the mighty uh, Nostradamuses of football. They know everything. They have all the answers, and everybody else is lost. And so we just assume every decision that they make is 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 it. it, it they, they nailed it every single time. But just because the Steelers have been a consistent and stable organization atop the NFL for for many, many years now, I'm not just going to bow to the mighty black and gold and assume Kenny Pickett's going to be great because he's in the Steelers organization and just start putting out blanket statements that George Pickens is already more talented and better than, than Justin Jefferson. I mean, come on. Adam and Akron, you're up next. What's up, Adam? Hey, what's up, Switcher? How are you? Oh, man, good. Uh, you you kind of said everything that I was saying. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I stole your thunder. It's, no, it's okay. It, it, I mean, it's the Steelers, okay? So until they're dethroned, you know, from being a perennial playoff team, you're going to expect that, you know, they're going to do the right things. And you have to, as much as I hate to say it because I'm Dyer Browns, you have to give Mike Tomlin credit. Like, he, he has coached these teams in the playoffs year in and year out, and regardless of the roster and regardless of inju- injuries and everything that happens, he's done it. So until they get dethroned, like, you have to listen to the hype around them. But I think, finally, and, and I'm with you that every single year I think that I look at the Browns roster on paper, I look at the Steelers roster on paper, and I say, all right, we can take them this year. And every single year, it's like, at the end of the year, they somehow get above us. Yeah. And we're like, what do we have to do to finally, you know, get over this hump? And I, I think that we're there. And, I, and I'm not trying to just drink the Kool-Aid, but I, I think that we're there. I, I don't think that they have – I don't think that um, Kenny Pickett is, is uh, Ben Roethlisberger. You know, I don't think he's a Pro Bowl um, quarterback. George Pickens is, he's a good, maybe great wide receiver. He's not a Justin Jefferson by any stretch of the imagination. But I don't think that overall they have the team that they've had year in and year out. And I think this might be the year where you start to see the decline and you start to see the the incline of the Browns and maybe we start to take it over. And that will help so much for this national hype just to – go down and what what I was telling um, uh, the broadcast the caller, um, I hate to see, I'm an Akron, and you see more Pittsburgh jerseys than you do Brown jerseys, <laughs> and it just I hate it, I can't stand it if I'm on Tinder, I'll tell you what somebody's wearing a Browns jersey, it's a hard left or sorry, a Steelers jersey, it's a hard left <laughs> um, I love it, they're, it's, they're immediately it's, disqualified if they're wearing a Steelers jersey in their picture, hard left Hard no yinzers yeah, for yeah. Adam. No yinzers for Adam. No. We cannot cohabitate <laughs> in that environment, okay? You know what's but funny, though? I, is think... I feel like there's a lot of successful couples, that, at least that I know in my lifetime, and I went to school here in Cleveland. I went to college here in Cleveland, um, where, like, people I went to college with, and my col- I, I went to John Carroll. I don't know if you ever heard of John Carroll, but... And oh, we pull... That school pulls a lot from Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Chicago... Buffalo area. So there was always a ton of Steelers fans there. So there's a lot of like Steelers and Browns fans who end up together when they go to college at John Carroll. It's just a thing. It's I don't just, know. You know what? I've seen the flags, the sweat home and everything. And I'm like, that's just not me. No. <laughs> we 
can't do it. We can't get along on Sundays. I'm sorry. Hard left. All right, Adam. I appreciate the call, man. Good stuff. I, I, I think, and listen. I think Adam's right. I didn't even mention Mike Tomlin's name once, but that's another factor here. Like, I, I had the utmost respect for Mike Tomlin. If the Steelers were stupid enough to fire him, I, I would say the Browns should jump immediately. Like, yeah, go get that guy. Go get Mike Tomlin. I, I, he's a tremendous coach, and I think he's one of the best in the business. But again, they have this reputation, and that's fine if people are gonna put them ahead of the Browns and all this different stuff because as I looked up while while Adam was kind of explaining himself there, Pittsburgh has fit, even the last four years that the Browns have been good, or we thought the Browns were going to be good, the the Steelers have finished ahead of them every single time. They always find themselves ahead of the ahead of the Cleveland ahead of Cleveland in the end in the division standing. It's it's just it's always the way it goes. And so I understand where you gotta you gotta respect them. And you gotta under, you, we can't just write them off because we've tried to. But I also don't have to sit here and just assume because it's the Steelers that everything they do is just the, the absolute answer. I, I can't sit here and think that. I can't sit here and just assume because they drafted Kenny Pickett, boom, instantly one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Doesn't usually happen that way. They might have got this one wrong. People can still respect the Steelers, but if Kenny Pickett were playing most other places, he wouldn't be getting all this love. And we certainly wouldn't be saying George Pickens was as talented as Justin Jefferson if he was playing on X amount of teams either. Even though he has shown to be very, very talented. I'm not I'm not trying to dispute that. Again, the point of this conversation wasn't the Steelers suck. They don't get ever they don't get anything right. It's just that I I can't believe how nose deep in black and yellow flavored Kool-Aid a lot of these pundits are that they're just getting high off Steeler fumes and they think everything that comes out of that place is just the most amazing thing they've ever seen. It's like a diamond ring. Everything that everything that comes out of Pittsburgh is a diamond ring. I'm just not there. I'm not going to say that they're that they're that the Browns are going to jump them at this point, but I'm also not going to sit here and say that they have it all figured out now and they'll be hoisting Lombardis with Kenny Pickett and George Pickens within the next five years. I think there's more questions than answers there at this point. Let's take a break. When we get back, we can look back at some of the best segments from the day in the fan focus.